Thanks a lot, Mike, for coming out here. I appreciate having me, man. It's a pleasure. You, you drove in or you took the train? No, I, yeah, I took the train. Uh-huh. I like taking the train so I can listen to audio books and read. I don't like driving. Uh, where, see, um, every time um, I get the, the updates on my phone that says, like, how much screen time I have, yeah. I'm always disappointed. It's like you're using your phone, like, six hours, seven hours a day. And I realize it's because, oh, I'm on the train for most of my day. And I'm just playing games on my phone or listening uh, to music or listening to podcasts or something like that. Yeah. I know you said you always are reading books or listening to audio books. Yeah. But audio books, podcasts, or reading. I, I do. I do podcasts because I can't listen to just one person talk for that long. It needs to be a conversation. Yeah. It needs to be a dialogue. Th- thanks again, though, for coming out. Uh, why don't you tell everybody uh, who you are and uh, what's your preferred combat sport of choices? Awesome. So my name is Mike Stedman. I am the founder of Ironbound Boxing. We're a social enterprise based in Newark, New Jersey. Um, we're, our sole purpose is basically spread our love, appreciation for the sport of boxing, and we do it in a couple ways. One, we run a free boxing program in Newark at the Ironbound Boxing Academy, which is our free gym for youth and uh, young adults in the city. And another aspect of that, we teach boxing to companies in the New York City metro area as a form of employee wellness. So we're creating our own ecosystem that allows us to uh, teach boxing, make money doing it, and support kids in low-income communities. So how did you get started in boxing? You said you started boxing in the military, right? Right, yeah. I was introduced to boxing at the uh, United States Naval Academy. So when you go to Annapolis, one of the things they make us do is pick a sport. And my freshman year, I walked into a boxing gym, and the first day the coach made us spar. And uh, it was a unique feeling. I didn't know how to describe it, right? Like, you kind of think you know how to fight, but then when somebody says, all right, put gloves on, put gloves on, ready, go, it's like, you don't, what do I do with my hands, right? But uh, the feeling I got from that experience was like, wait a minute, people own this? Like, they live in this <laughs> world? Like, boxing to them is like playing pickup basketball? And I, I wanted to learn that. And so um, that took me down a pathway through boxing in college where I ended up being a three-time national boxing champion at a light heavyweight, um, two-time most valuable boxer, and was a captain of my boxing team as well. Nice. nice. So you, you had never... Never boxed before in my life. Never taken, like, a karate ca- class when you were, like, nine years old? And I mean, like I took that. a karate, but, like, I, I don't really remember it. Because yeah. I remember I, I went to something, but, um, yeah, no, it was my first experience stepping into the, the squared circle. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. I, I remember taking a karate class, like, very vaguely when I was much younger at, like, the local Y. Yeah. And the only thing that I can remember from it, like, distinctly is the instructor was female, and there was a time where uh, for, like, to for the test to get, like, our stripe on our belt, we had to kind of do, like, a sparring with her, and she's like, you have to try to hit me. And my mom was on the side, and I remember her saying, like, don't hit women, don't hit girls. And I'm like, how do I, what do I, how do I do this? Like, right. there's, there's something wrong here. I don't know what to do. So I just kind of froze there, and everyone's laughing and looking at me, and they're like, oh, try, do it. And I'm like, uh, no. So I just, it just ended with me just standing there in the middle of the room. So... Yeah, yeah, karate doesn't really count. But uh, so how how long were you boxing in the how long were you in the Naval Academy for? Uh, four four years. So to be honest, I didn't have the grades to go in right away. So they sent me to a prep school. <laughs> oh, so I spent okay. a year in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. I pretty much had to prove I could handle the academic rigors of Annapolis. And then uh, after that, I spent four years at the academy. So it was a five year process total. Four years at Annapolis, one year at the prep school. Well, what was the thing that that was blocking you to go directly in? Was it grades or was it uh, attitude thing? No, it was grades. I mean, I had like a two four GPA. I graduated high school with like a two four four GPA. Nothing to brag about. And then I had a low SAT score. But like, I was just really determined to go to Annapolis. Like it, it was my dream. And so um, I conveyed that in everything I did in terms of essays and everything else. I was like, if you just give me a chance, I will, I will prove this thing that I can. I'm, I'm Naval Academy caliber. What what was the uh, the driving force in that? What, what made you choose Navy? Um, for me, I think it was just uh, I wanted to go to the military and I wanted to be an officer. And then in my process of doing research, I realized that the service academies, West Point, Naval Academy, um, Air Force Academy, these were like the premier places. Like these were like the best ones. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, me being young, it's crazy before you become an adult and people try to tell you what you can and can't do. But when I was younger, I was like, that's where I want to go. I want to go to where the best are going. And uh, once I started finding out about Annapolis and the legacy and the culture and the people that came out of there, I was like, that's the place for me. So I wanted to go. 
Did you see the movie or were you just like, nah? I, I was already it. in after I saw the movie. I was oh. already at the prep school. But, oh, okay. um, no, I just, it was just, I don't know, it was just a very audacious goal. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. You know? I mean, apparently not because you, you did it. I know. And it's funny because I look back on that now. I look back at my entrepreneurial journey and the ambitions I have for Ironbound Boxing as a brand. Um, and, you know, it's so daunting when you think about, like, all the stuff you have to do. But then I go back and, like, okay, I want to go to the Naval Academy and I had a 2.4 GPA. That was almost, like, impossible because it's like the Naval Academy is just, I mean, the caliber kids they got there now, it's like unless you have, like, a 4.0 and are, like, a rocket scientist <laughs> or something, like, I don't know. I don't know how I would have been able to get in to with the kids they have now, but I did it. And then the same thing, I was like, oh, I want to be a national champ. And that seemed so impossible at the time, mm-hmm. especially when I had never boxed before. So as I kind of look back at those experiences and I kind of equate it to entrepreneurship, I think it's the same thing. So when you got in, were there other people that were there that uh, had already boxed that were part of the team? Uh, yeah, there was one guy, a guy named Tim Green, who's actually a good friend of mine. I was actually had a chance to go to his wedding. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, he was a beast that summer. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, all of us were just in awe at his ability to just – dominate other human beings in the <laughs> ring was it immediately boxing you were like this is the thing or were you trying to like feel out other sports did you not even get that far no at first i wanted to do crew right so i crew. played high school basketball but i didn't get i mean i wasn't like a starter or anything like i wasn't getting in the game unless we were up by like 30 points and there was less than like two minutes left got it but i love the feeling of being on the, the team and the team atmosphere so when i looked at what sports you could walk on at annapolis um it's a d1 school so you still gotta you know mm-hmm. gotta be talented they had walk-ons for uh, crew. So I was like, oh, I'll go do crew. And this was like pre-CrossFit, the boom and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So get to Annapolis and then, you know, they make us pick a sport. And so at first I went to crew. And I used to have to run like two and a half miles just to get to the <laughs> crew house. And then just run on a bunch of ergs. Early right? in the morning too, Early, right? It was like I thought, you know, I was going out on a boat. I was doing all this rowing. But then you realize that like, hey, you spend a lot of time on these machines just pulling until you puke and I was like you know what this is lame so I won't really do this so instead you did the same thing except with just boxing right? yeah with waking boxing. up early and then running and then right <laughs> damn that's crazy so how how long were you were you in the academy for you said four years four years right. yeah. and then afterwards did you continue to box at all or I did done? so I got commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. uh, the Marine Corps doesn't have a service academy we all go through the Naval Academy because mm-hmm. the Marine Corps technically falls under the Department of the Navy and so 25% or more of the graduating class will go Marine Corps so I graduated with Marine Corps became an infantry officer um, and then ended up deploying Afghanistan in 2012 Japan and the Philippines in 2014 and uh, during that time, I had I boxed. I mean, I was always coaching. I started a brand called Fighting Mojo. It was like my pre-Ironbound boxing brand. And uh, was boxing and teaching. Had a short stint with the Marine Corps boxing team. Mm-hmm. So boxing was always there. Like, I, I coached at a local gym and everything. Um, but one of the frustrations I had in the military was the military life is so uh, uncertain, you know. And to develop a good boxing program or to develop your athletes, you kind of need to be in one place for Mm-hmm. Uh, a long amount of time you know you can't really build a program in like two three years it takes longer than that yeah. you can get started but you know this idea of having a home base and in the military culture people are always coming and going you everyone's know? moving around everyone's moving around so you might have somebody you're working with but then they're leaving like a year later and so you can't really develop them and so that that was always frustrating to me um and so that was one of the things that also in kind of wanted me to get out to because I wanted to do boxing and I needed a place where I could set up a home base. So is that where the genesis of Ironbound uh, began? Actually, no. I, Ironbound actually, what is Ironbound now, I think began when I was at the Naval Academy. So I tell people, you know, you don't win three national championships boxing a bunch of midshipmen. You know, I learned boxing in inner city gyms in Baltimore, D.C., Virginia. Oh, so uh, even then you were hopping around. You I weren't was just staying around. in one gym. Yeah, I was sparring. Um, I sparred in Brooklyn, spent a trip out here for a week, mm-hmm. did a training camp in Brooklyn, sparred at... Uh, at Gleason's? Or uh, we, yeah, we trained at Gleason's, we trained at Starrett City, mm-hmm. we trained at Freeport Powell. Yeah. Um, it was all these gyms in New York, and that whole experience was like, yo, this is amazing. But one of the things I noticed was a lot of the young men and women I trained alongside in these inner city gyms had a lot of different life aspirations than my teammates and I from Annapolis. So at the end of the day, we're boxing, but we're going to graduate. We're going to have our degrees and become officers in the military and probably get out and start our own businesses or become professionals and lawyers. But a, a lot of the kids in these gyms, it was just like their only aspirations were to go bro, go pro. 
mm-hmm. they felt like their only option was either be in the streets or be in the gym you know go pro or go back to the streets and i always thought that was a broken system love boxing professional boxing is entertaining but it's not the thing that like i get the most out of boxing mm-hmm. and i think i wanted to create a brand that shared that with other kids as well like there's so much it's there's so much more we could be doing with boxing in terms of the, the demographic of youth and young adults we're able to reach with it but it just doesn't get done for whatever reason because of the the boxing culture the amateur culture and so i wanted to change that and so that was the genesis of uh, ironbound boxing in the early days just this idea of how can I bring more to low-income communities through boxing. When you were going into these other gyms, uh, were the people that were already there, were, were they looking at you like like the prep kids? Because you said that you and, and the crew that you had, uh, you know, you guys had, had goals beyond boxing. You guys yeah, had, had was, a life beyond that. So it, were they looking at you different? I mean, they were just looking at us different because we're from the Naval Academy. Here we are in these inner-city gyms in, like, a basement in D.C. in Brooklyn. And to be honest, half the kids didn't really know what the Naval Academy was. They just mm-hmm. assumed we were we were just the Navy. You know, that's what we yeah. represented. So, like, but, one and the same. Yeah, but I always took – but for us, like, those of us on the team, whatever, it was a whole different world for us. We're like, these are – you know, I mean, shoot. I mean, I had a really diverse team, but, like, half of them – I mean, they never spent time in the inner city, in mm-hmm. the hood. You know, that was my uh, next question. What what were their opinions? Of yeah, we took it as a thing of pride, you know, like we could go into these locations, you know, and hold our own, you know, inside these really inner city, gritty, tough gyms, you know, gain respect, so gain the respect of those we're sparring against. And then we go back to the academy and like this was a shared experience that only mm. we had because most midshipmen will never do that. You know, a lot of people think they're tough, but it's one thing to go into some basement in Brooklyn, you know, and go toe to toe with yeah. someone. Going to, to enemy territory, yeah, so to going speak. to enemy territory, and we did that over and over again. It just became this sense of pride, you know. We were kind of looked at as like these college boys, you know, coming in doing the sparring, whatever. But uh, it really had an effect on me, uh, especially with boxing, just because most boxing gyms, uh, it, it's not like in a lot of other combat sports and martial arts. There's there's at least some wiggle room where it's like, oh, I'm the new guy trained at this place, but I'm coming in to, to train with you guys. And they'll be nice for a little bit. With most boxing gyms, you come into someone else's home, yeah, they're trying to beat the shit out of you. Right, and so that's the thing about it, is you gotta be able to hold your own. So that was one of the things I always pride myself. Like even, you know, as a boxer, like I never bragged or nothing. People, you know, even till this day, I go into gyms and people are like, oh, when I used to spar, they'd be like, uh, you ever boxed before? And I'm like, yeah, I boxed before. And they're like, are you any good? And I used to say, like, oh, I could hold my own, you know. <laughs> Even in the military, that was a thing, too, because you're an officer, right? Officers don't box, you know. They're like, dude, this guy's an officer, this lieutenant. He can't. But then, you know, when I went to Marine Corps, I'll give you an example. Marine Corps boxing team, right? They used to have a team. And uh, when I got to my unit down in Lejeune, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, first thing I did was I called the, the team and was like, hey, are y'all, when are y'all having sparring? And they were like, oh, we're having sparring this Saturday. So I was like, oh, can I come? They're like, yeah, sure. So I show up, and then the coach was like, hey, man, uh, he asked me that question. He's like, so you ever boxed before? I was like, yeah, I used to box in college. You any good? Yeah, I can hold my own. He's like, all right. Because he, he's looking at me like he's like, you're an officer, <laughs> man. So he puts me in there. He thought you were going to get eaten up. Yeah, yeah, he puts me in there. First round, I bust this dude's nose, man. He starts oh, bleeding, shit. right? And then now I'm starting to get the attention of the other guys in the gym. They're like, oh, who's this guy, you know? And afterwards, you know, the coach put me aside. He's like, hey, man, what are you what are you doing? He's like, you should come, uh, you know, we'll get you orders over here to the Marine Corps boxing team. And I was like, nah, I, as much as I love boxing, I, you know, I went through hell to be an infantry officer in the Marine Corps. It's a very, very hard job and rigorous schooling. And I did that because I wanted to lead Marines in combat in Afghanistan. And so mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come over here. But my first priority is I want to lead a platoon in Afghanistan. And so I turned them down initially. Wow. So uh, did you ever have any aspirations of going pro or was it just strictly like amateur? No, never. I mean, my whole thing was about being an officer in the military. I just Mm want to be an infantry officer. I want to be a platoon commander. But people have to realize for the military, at least for me, it was very similar to how I felt about the first time I stepped in a boxing ring. So when you're a young, you know, quite frank, black kid in Texas with dreams and ambitions. Where out in Texas? College Station. Okay. Uh, single parent home, never met my dad, um, and I just wanted more, you know? And then you kind of look at these posters of these military guys, especially the Navy SEALs and the Marines, and they just look so strong and so tough and something that, like, I just didn't feel like I had. I felt like I had it, but I didn't really have it like that, 
You yeah. get what I'm saying? And so I was like, I don't know what those guys want, but I, I want it. And so that's what kind of led me down the path to the military. And then in order to, to kind of finish that out, I had to do that military experience. You know, I had to do boots on the ground and go to combat and do all that stuff. At least I thought in order to kind of feel that way. Now, looking back on it, I, I told myself, like, man, if I would have known what I know now, you don't really have to do anything. I won't say you don't have to do anything to get that, but a lot of those values, that confidence, that can be instilled in you at an early age mm-hmm. by a coach or a family member or parent. But unfortunately, like, for people of color, we just don't have that same level of confidence unless you're, like, an athlete or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now my kind of mission is to uh, bridge that gap with the kids I'm serving through Ironbound. You know, I want them to feel like – I want them to feel like that, whether they go to a, an elite business school, whether they go join the military or not. Like, I want them to learn the traits of how to carry themselves, how to think, how to act, the mindset associated with that kind of mentality um, and just build it in an organic way. When when did that click for you that like, oh, I, I now am that person that I saw in the poster, or I saw in the Navy commercials or whatever. When were you like, oh, I've, I've already gotten to that point? I think when people would describe, they, people started to describe me. You know, I would just kind of hear how they would talk about me, and I'm just like, um, all right. <laughs> you know, not on some arrogant stuff, but then you kind of look, anytime, like, I go through some adversity, at the end of the day, I got to look back at my traction, right? Like, what have I done? You know, like, let me fill out this column, you know, three-time national camp, Naval Academy graduate, two-time most viable boxer, Marine infantry officer, entrepreneur, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've, I've racked up some wins along the way. You got the accolades. I've got, I've, I've, like, got the accolades. And so, you know, this whole concept of, like, self-awareness and why meditation and stuff is so important is because it allows you to kind of, like, zoom out and see how you're showing up to the world and how other people perceive you. And so once I realized that, it was like, okay, um, yeah, like, this is something that I've, I've kind of got. But I don't necessarily think I had to do it the way I did in order mm-hmm. to get it. And I think that's the misconception with people of color in this country is that we think we have to, like, you know, be, it's, it's, let me try to describe this. I feel like we're, it's a false narrative and we're teaching the wrong narrative to uh, young men and women of color about what it takes to be successful and what it takes to be great. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I have a picture on my Instagram of Everlast just posted this picture of some sparring that took place at Ironbound Boxing Academy, literally on Thursday night. And the kid in the video is uh, in the picture. He's got his arm around his little cousin. He's got dreads in the video and in the picture, and he's got boxing gloves hanging around his his uh, neck, right? And I look at that picture and I'm like, damn, bro, that is a bad. Can I cuss? Can I swear? Yeah, yeah I was like, absolutely. I was like, that's a badass picture. But you know how jacked up we're going to be, man? When I was coming up, we would look at that kid and be like, hey, man, you want to be great, you're going to have to cut those cut dreads. Yeah, yeah. You know? Remember the stuff they used to tell us about, like, your last name? Like, we'll, we we grew up in that. Like, don't yeah. name your, your kids Kwame or Amuri or whatever yeah. because you want them to get the job. And then you, like, buy into that narrative, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's this perpetual narrative that keeps getting told over them. But now I kind of look back at it, I'm like, yo, man, that's fucked up. Yeah, you know? it's code switching, not just with what you say, but for your whole entire life. Right. And my yeah. thing is, as I look at my frustration now is as I look at people who've ascended to positions of power from the communities of color. And it's like they keep rep- uh, perpetuating those same stereotypes and those same standards, you know, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And so I think when I look at like Ironbound Boxing and any ventures I'm associated with, you know, Dope Coffee, too. It's like I want to create a culture of inclusiv- inclusivity. From the ground up, though, like it's like mm-hmm. in everything that we do, we're like I can show up a kid or an employee can show up with dreads and feel at home. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He can show up in his true skin and not have to pretend to be something he's not. And I think that's what we have to That's like over and over again. It's like crazy. And you buy into that narrative. Then you become an entrepreneur and then you just start like grinding and outperforming people. And then you realize, like, man, it has nothing to do with that. It's like, can you add value? Yeah, You know, as, as bottom line, like in a company, can you add value in a company as an employee? Can you perform, right? And I feel like performance trumps a lot of that stuff. But unfortunately, like, again, we keep the same same negative stereotypes. Yeah, I think that tributes to, um, I was just talking about this the other day, the um, imposter syndrome, you know? It, everybody gets it. I think people of color get it more just because they're trying to, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out, like, how to, to exist in this white-dominated world and pretend to be one of them. Uh, it, I think it, it plays in the mental health, too. Like, oh, so many sure. people that struggle mental health-wise, and uh, 
I feel like it's because you're living a lie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, you know, you have you want people to perceive you as one thing and then something happens, a traumatic event, you lose your job, and now all of a sudden your world's blown up, right? People have to see you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't necessarily ready to kind of like deal with that. And so that causes a lot of like mental health issues, the whole imposter syndrome thing. And I mean, I used to, I mean, I'm going to say I don't struggle from it, um, but as I ascend in terms of like an entrepreneur and I get to see more and more how the sausage is made, you know, in the back, (laughs) it's not as much of like imposter syndrome as much as like, this is how it's really done, you know? Yeah. Like this feeling of like, you know, people think stuff is more than it really is. I mean, people only knew, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you starting a business, building Ironbound Boxing, some of the brands I've been associated with and I've been able to work with, right? Like, you think it's the Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> and you get behind the curtain, it's like one guy pulling a bunch of strings. And yeah. you're like, this is entrepreneurship. This is the world in general, you know? Yeah, I remember when uh, I visited you at Ironbound and a lot of the things you were telling me, you're like, oh, it's kind of fake it till you make it. You know, I don't want to give out all the ingredients that yeah. goes into the sausage, but you were telling me all these little things that are like, Oh, it doesn't have to be the the bright and shiny thing. It doesn't have to be the new, clean, sleek, modern yeah. uh, product that you think it is. Yeah. You just do what you can to make it as presentable as possible and just go from there. W- work with what you have. Right. And it's not fake it till you make it. It's act as if. Yeah. Right? Act exactly. as if you're like everything is moving like you want it to move. You know, that like, you know, you, you have this crazy business idea and you've got a bunch of investors and you've got a bunch of clients. So like act as if. Start carrying your business that way now so that way when it does happen you're not having to jump through hoops mm-hmm. you know so you're already like ready to go but i just want to make sure you know i circle back to what we initially talked about so when did i realize like i was that guy um yeah just again people describing me you know people describing me to other people or you know when they like you do an interview and it's like send me your bio and you send the bio and all that kind of stuff so not necessarily like buying into your own whatever but just seeing that like hey you do really bring some value like Mm -hmm. i think that's the hardest time i think for us of people of color too it's like we high performing people of color with ambitious goals a lot of times we struggle patting ourselves on the back Mm, because we're absolutely we're comparing our standard to other people you know what i mean yeah like i just put a new boxing ring in my gym uh thanks to everlast i saw congratulations Yeah, and so, like, no matter what goes on in, like, business or whatever, no matter how bad my week goes in terms of, you know, my venture overall, dude, my kids think we're superheroes, (laughs) you know? They just all the dopest shit to them. Yeah, have you seen a brand-new boxing ring and boxing gyms in the hood? You know what I mean? Have you seen the rings people are working with? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we put a brand-new ring in, and all my kids got dope gear. You know, they're they're showing up on the Everlast social media. You know, they see me in the media. So as far as they're concerned, self-awareness-wise, I'm, I'm Mike Stedman. You know what I'm saying? Like Y'all he, made it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's doing it. And I've probably done more in their eyes than they've seen people do coming out of that community to support them. And so when you realize that, it's like, you know, somehow I got to take a step back and be like, you know what, man? I might not be on Forbes and we're not making a lot of money right now and I'm not able to impact as many kids as I would like, but we're doing something. Yeah. You know, there's got to be some here. That's know? what I was going to ask you. It's like, uh, it's easy to get caught up in what's the next step or what we should be doing. Right. And uh, seeing the kids and how they react to what's already happening, that must be very grounding for you. Yeah, no, it keeps me grounded. I mean, it's the why. Like, we just had this conversation about, um, you know, I was like, oh, I want to do a podcast or have all this equipment. But, like, does this support my goal, right? Mm-hmm. Is is this growing um, the number of kids I'm able to impact, you know? And so, you know, getting back, it keeps me grounded because that's my mission, right? Like, I want to impact kids through boxing. Um, And so everything I do business-wise is built and fueled around that. So uh, when did you start taking the first steps to actually start Ironbound? Because I know you said first it was in a a gym, right? A church gym or a school gym? No. um, So I I got a job working at a private school in Newark called St. Benedict's Prep. And my goal there was to um, basically recreate the Naval Academy boxing program at a private school in Newark. Now, St. Benedict's is not your typical private school. It caters young men of color, uh, all boys. Um, 90% black and Latino, 90% of them can't afford to be there. So they have to fundraise and they get scholarships via financial aid and whatnot. Um, and so I moved there and was running as working as the residence hall director. So I ran a giant house of 70 teenage boys. And the concept too was, uh, working in the evening would allow me to coach boxing during the day a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, have my bases covered. Cause it's like, Oh, if I want to coach amateur boxing, realistically, like, how are you going to make money doing it? Yeah. 
And uh, but then while I was training kids at St. Benedict's, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to impact the broader Newark community, not just the kids at St. Benedict's. And so um, I was always looking for opportunities to work with more kids in the whole community. And then uh, I ended up approaching the city of Newark about opening a gym inside a rec center. If they had a space somewhere, could we turn it into a boxing gym? Ended up getting the thumbs up um, by the city of Newark and a guy named Obelage Baraka, uh, the mayor's brother. And then we got started, and the gym is located in the Ironbound neighborhood of Newark, hence the term Ironbound Boxing. Also partnered with a guy named Gary Bloor, who had a, a nonprofit he was looking at starting up called Ironbound USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about, th- built around like teaching kids personal branding, a little bit of entrepreneurship stuff, but really big on like art and graffiti. And so I reached out to him. We did a collab on the gym, um, came in there, threw up some dope graffiti, uh, and we launched the Ironbound Boxing Academy. Yeah, because the gym looks dope. Like, yeah, it's, it's a dope gym. I mean, that, I never yeah. walk in the gym and I'm like, damn, this. it always brightens my day when I walk in the gym. Like, I walk in the gym, I'm just like, this is an impressive gym. Like, this is a gym, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've been to plenty of gyms, both, you know, uh, newer gyms, old gyms. Like, there's a lot of legacy gyms that you're like, damn, this place is fucking falling apart. Right. Yeah, it's it's like it smells like like old, like mildew and musty, like old posters that are like curling up at the edges, yellowed and everything. The the ring, like you said, old ass rings have fallen apart and everything. But I mean, even though you're young, you could have ended up the same way. Just like, oh, this is the space and it, it's what we have now. It's it, it's very unfurnished and everything. I but think, it looks amazing. Yeah, I think the standard for me was just raised just being at the Naval Academy because we mm-hmm. just had an amazing gym. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, now I'm at a point in my life where, like, I, not for nothing, like, we just, like, black people and people of color deserve nice things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just because there's a boxing program in the hood doesn't mean a kid doesn't deserve some sick uniform a nice ring, yeah. you know, some bags, but like that becomes the standard. Like, so if I if I had come up in the traditional amateur boxing circuit, that would have been my standard for what I thought a boxing program was, right? Yeah. Just some dungy program in the hood, leaky f- ceiling, you know, which is fine, and I like those gyms too. But I just want our kids to have something different, yeah. You know? And yeah. so everything about Ironbound Boxing is just different. How we brand it, how we speak about it, the way the gym looks, the strategic partnerships we're building out. You know, it's just different. And I, I remember um, I was with you for a, uh, a, a private uh, boxing session um, downtown. Right. And a uh, guy from... Uh, uh, was it Steady Buckets? Steady Buckets, yeah. yeah. Guy from, what's his name again? Uh, uh, Coach Mackey. Yeah, yeah. He was talking to me for a while, and uh, one of the things he said was... Uh, you know, nonprofits with with kids and like sports or like performing arts or anything. The problem with a lot of them is, since it's a nonprofit, they usually suck. Yeah. And usually, uh, if it's uh, paid, that's when it's good. He's like, why can't we get something that is both for the community and also of like high quality? Right. And I think that's what you guys provide. Steady buckets as well. But you guys really found a way to make something that not only is is for the community, but also is like very high quality. Right. And I remember uh, you were talking about bringing some of your kids to uh, fight. I think it was like in D.C. or Virginia somewhere. Yeah. And. Uh, other people were like, we don't know these guys, but then once you guys fought, they're like, oh, Ironbound actually knows how to fight. They they have good right. fighters. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm not from Newark, and Newark is a rough city, so it's like, unless you're born and raised in Newark, you can't be from Newark, and so that's why I get a lot of pushback as a young guy coming in with a boxing program. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches think I'm trying to be the best boxing coach. Maybe I was back in the day. <laughs> um, you know, like, when you, you're a young coach, you start, you have ambitions, right? Like, you want to be I don't know, Olympic coach or whatever, but just building my brand, like I don't really care about being the best boxing coach. I want to build the best amateur boxing programs. You know, mm-hmm. I want to build the best brand. So like my accolades, because I think a lot of times it'll be like that. Oh, okay, you have a gym, you got this. We'll be like, what have you done? Like, have you taken kids to nationals? Have you done all this kind of stuff? And so that becomes their measure of success, right? But not looking at like all the other accolades, like I said, mm-hmm. the sheet. So, um, I kind of took those accolades and went and ran with what we did, and we got a gym going, and we got a national uh, partnership with Everlast, which is the largest distributor of boxing equipment globally. Um, How did that come about? It just uh, organically, man, you know, sitting out there talking about the brand. You know, I've done a lot of work in the veteran entrepreneur space uh, with organizations like Bunker Labs, which is a national nonprofit that caters to uh, veteran entrepreneurs. I worked as a consult- part-time consultant with WeWork, helping them mm-hmm. with their uh, veterans and residents initiatives. We won't talk about WeWork. Yeah, we won't talk about WeWork. <laughs> but, um, That's not your fault. 
But yeah, and every time I would do a media piece for Bunker Labs or WeWork, the question would naturally come up from the interviewer, oh, tell us about your venture. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a boxing gym in Newark, Ironbound Box. They're like, wait, what? Um, and because <laughs> so you weren't bringing it up, they you were just kind of keeping that in the back pocket, and then just not even it. in the back pocket, but it's part of my story, right? Yeah. So like I'm representing these organizations that are catering to veteran entrepreneurs, right? I was volu- one, I was volunteering, and then the other I had a part time gig, but then they would ask us, tell us about your entrepreneurial journey, and so I think a lot of stuff with Ironbound Boxing just spoke to a lot of people, and that's the thing about the brand, right? Is like when you think about. The, the beauty of an inner city gym and especially the way we're doing it where we're like, I live in Newark. So it's not like I'm like coming in on weekends or whatever. Like I live there. Like that's that's my city. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to have like real stories. You get what I'm saying? Like there's I know like I'm pretty intimate with like all of our kids, you know, so I can speak to some of the challenges they face. I can speak to the reality of Newark. And that's like branding and story that you don't make up. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? A lot of people, like, you come into Ironbound, you don't have to, like, pose for a photo. You just take the photos, right? And then people see the photos, and like, oh, man, how'd you get that photo? That's a great shot. So much emotion from the kid. I'm like, you know, it's real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, a lot yeah. of people have to set up crazy photo shoots and this and that. You just come to the gym when it's packed with kids and just start clicking away, and the stories tell themselves. So the brand um, is really a vehicle to to tell those stories, you know? to elevate it so like even the everlasting um you know i did an interview for barker labs ended up running on fox news which is local news right like mm-hmm. it was like the local channel right yeah. well guess who watches that ceo everlast you oh, know wow. and was like yo i need to talk to that guy and so then he sent uh, one of his sales guys out to come find us in newark um i didn't believe it because i had just quit my job and then i walk in the gym and this dude saying he's from everlast i'm like man get out of here whatever, bro. <laughs> and i was like i need to see some id and when he showed me his card i was like bro i need a hug you know <laughs> um and then that that came about and then i was like they were like yeah they're gonna give you a bunch of free equipment and i'll fit your gym and i was like oh man this is amazing i was like well i want to thank them in person is there any time i can come to the office uh that week he's like yo can you do friday so he set up the meeting between uh, me and the CEO and the, the head of marketing, and they sat down with me, and they were like, hey, we just want to hear about you. Tell us the vision. And so I told them the vision of Ironbound about how we create this brand that funds free boxing programs in low-income communities all across the country. And then we also create jobs through corporate wellness where we teach boxing to companies um, all over that have an employee wellness program. And they were like, oh, that sounds good to us. We want to support it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and the crazy part about this whole thing was I got a lot of support for building the brand. I've gotten a lot of, like, media and branding traction. But, like, back then, I think that was, like, a year and a half ago, maybe, I didn't even have, like, a client yet, you know. So, granted, <laughs> I had made traction with the nonprofit, but I hadn't made traction on the for-profit yet. And so, like, I sold the vision. I got buy-in, and it was just, like, okay, wow. this pressure of, like, man, I got to go deliver on this thing, you know. And I tease the, I tease the CEO now because I'm, like, and I kind of tease a lot of early people. It's like when I kind of came up with this idea for this venture. I'm like, y'all let me come up with this idea. Not one of y'all told me how hard it was really going to be, you know? And everybody's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But it's like, man, this stuff is hard. Like to all y'all yeah. out there in the hustle that are getting after it, man, I feel you. I feel your pain. It's real. But, I mean, do you think probably, uh, like I'm thinking about it from their perspective, is this, there's this guy that's coming from the Naval Academy, right. the, been been overseas and everything. But like, oh, he got it. No, I think you're right. <laughs> I think that goes back to that self-awareness thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing when you come from an institution like the Naval Academy, when you're a Marine infantry officer, the expectations on you are just so much higher. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, people aren't expecting you to punt it, you know? They're like, oh, this sounds hard, but if anybody was going to do it, probably be a three-time national <laughs> champ from Naval Academy, you know? Um and so, yeah, I think it goes into that, that self-awareness. But, you know, this whole this is last year, the battle has been, like, as comfortable as I was, like, in the boxing space, um, you know, I'm, I'm very confident in my ability to teach boxing, especially grassroots. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I specialize in. Uh, but business is, like, a whole nother battlefield. And so this last year has just been building my confidence and growing into the businessman, uh, Mike Stedman, as opposed to just the boxing coach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it worked out. I mean, if if that's what these people were thinking, like, oh, he's got it because he's been through X, Y, and Z, right. it's worked out. So obviously, they they did see something. They were right. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I think it's um just the desire to succeed, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at it, like even us, dude, at the end of the day, we have a boxing gym in Newark, New Jersey, which is one of the most dangerous 
cities in the country, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't have the best reputation, but people know we have a gym there. You know what I'm saying? And built from the ground up. So that's pretty impressive to have one of those things. Yeah, and it's not just you running the gym as well. No, no, I have a partner named Keith Cologne. Um, his son, they're actually out at uh, USA Nationals right now. In uh, Louisiana, right? Yeah, in Louisiana, Lake Charles, you know, making this final run for the Olympic, 2020 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, Keith is great, and, you know, he's from Newark, grew up in Newark, um, served some time in prison, like a lot of people <laughs> in boxing. But uh, he really supports kids. He's, he's really bought into the program and the gym, and I think we just feed off each other. You know, so even like the night, um, he's the actually the head coach of the gym. You know, I had to step away because I couldn't fundraise and support the program and do all the stuff that needs to get done and coach six days a week like I did the first three years. Yeah. You know, it was taking its toll on me and it was it was basically hurting us as a brand and organization. And so I decided to only coach on weekends and spend the rest of that time, you know, working on Ironbound, working on the other stuff, building out our board strategy and all that kind of stuff. And so. But uh, no, Keith's an integral part, man. He's a great coach. He uh, really cares about the kids, specializes in grassroots boxing again. Um, and he runs the gym day to day, just getting them, you know, ready for competitions and whatnot. And then I get to show up at the fights and support, you know, making sure the kids got gear, making sure they got uh, transportation to and from, making sure we get to eat, you know what I'm saying? All the administrative stuff. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's cool because it really does keep me grounded. I got to enjoy this now before we – um, get any bigger too. Yeah. Um, how many kids do you have right now? On the competition side of the house, I think we've got like 10. Okay. Um, but probably about 35, 40 kids total. Okay. But it's also the gym, and this is the thing that's cool about the gym, is it's really a community gym too. So you have a lot of kids that will be in there, and they'll come in with their parents just kind of hit the bag. But yeah, it kind of yeah. just – I just get to sit back and watch it unfold. I get to watch them use the space. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is spaces for y'all. You know, we're just the guys that set conditions for y'all to have it. Do you have any of the adults participate as well? They, they whether they're like coach parents or whether they're yeah, like kind of working out with the with the kids. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the parents because they're in there so much, then they start to kind of pick up the pads and help each other out yeah. because you know with Keach being the only um, with the coach, um, they're we're, we're volunteers right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so everybody's kind of got to do their part, and so everybody helping each other out and everything. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and you were talking about uh, the uh, the for profit side, right? Um, and you're trying to also get the kids that are uh, training with you now to then be able to transition to that. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's the goal. So what we do is we teach, we supply companies with on site boxing instructors. Mm-hmm. So if there's a company in the New York City metro area that uh, you know employee wellness is big now, right? Our generation, the millennial generation. They want more than a paycheck now. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Like in the age of tech where people are getting free food and sleep pods <laughs> and everything else, right? Like if a you want arcade, uh, arcades, if you want to yeah. attract talent, yeah. you got to have something that keeps talent and nourishes that talent. Yeah. And one of the things that people realize is that like, yo, health and wellness is a big part of that. Like nobody wants to be, you know, depressed and fat and out of shape and mm-hmm. unhappy all the time. And so a lot of companies are starting to... um. Uh, offer employee wellness programs to companies. So, like, you can come in, you can participate in a yoga class, you can participate in a, a fitness class, group fitness. And so, you know, they're starting to do yoga, they got meditation, they got all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, what's a great way to increase employee wellness? Boxing. Boxing's badass, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. It sells itself. And so, if there's a company out there that wants boxing, I was like, yo, we'll supply it. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this would be also a great way to connect our kids as they get older, get them some part-time employment, you know, teaching some of these these classes and working with these clients. Plus, it exposes them to a different atmosphere they're used to in Newark. And so that's when I came up with the idea. And so over the last year and some change, it's pretty much just been pounding pavement, building out client portfolio, learning what I don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So even what it takes to actually teach these classes or what it's like being inside these spaces mm-hmm. and and whatnot. So it's been good. I mean, the last year we, we teach classes. We built a client portfolio to include WeWork, Spotify, Next Jump. Uh, like uh, this last month, I signed a new client called Topology in Newark. Love mm. us. Um, and so, really, just need to double down, triple down, um, and make this thing uh, push through gravity and achieve liftoff. And have the kids started uh, going with you on these visits? No, like not that? yet. Um, not yet. So they're they're coming up. You know, when I started, a lot of our kids were younger. They're like 14. So now they're mm-hmm. starting to get in that, you know, 17, whatever. Yeah. But um, 
No, I haven't pushed it on them as much yet because I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so what's what's the plan? Or is that too soon to say you don't want to? No, no, no. That's the that plan. Yet. The plan is that I get away from teaching so many classes and I just become the matchmaker, mm-hmm. you know, so that I can say, like, hey, I got a client. Boom, I got the perfect trainer for you. It's Keith Cologne. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Olympic, uh, 2020 Olympic, uh, college student, whatever. He's going to run your boxing classes on Tuesday mornings or something. And yeah. then you just plug them in. And you pay him a premium, too. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. the that's the vision to be able to have those opportunities. And then the other piece I'm working on now is I'm about to blow up the Ironbound Boxing brand, which is like our we just launched our e commerce site. Yeah, um, yeah. So and so now people can go on, on to uh, ironboundacademy.com and purchase gear. But one of the things I'm thinking is like, okay, I got this brand, it's dope, but like how as a like a feel good brand doesn't create repeatable clients. You know, it's like, oh, you buy one shirt but then are they going to buy it again? So I got to figure out a strategy of like what makes people come back over and over again to purchase our gear and wanting to purchase it for other people. Um, and so that's kind of the ecosystem, right? You got wellness going on. You've got the e-commerce going on um, and everything to support this mission of free free boxing. So, you know, a proceeds of all our for-profit and stuff, you know, will support our nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Now um, I know I've I've talked with you about this uh, a bit, but I want to talk about it on air. Uh, how often do you get approached by other people that are like, "I want to try to replicate this model in X city or X town"? Um, I I mean, I'll get hit up by people all the time. I'll be like, "I love what you're doing. I want to do something similar." It might not necessarily be related to boxing, but um, early on, I feel like, I mean, I got a couple LinkedIn uh, messages and stuff too. Um, from people but uh it's for me it's like i just got to know how serious people are sorry i'm just trying to get lance Uh, lance uh so lance uh we always give him one question he doesn't really have any fighting or combat sports experience but i always like to get the the input or uh, the voice of one person that's never trained before so what you got for us lance well i'm a futurist i'm I'm, I'm not No, I do. I do watch a lot of anime stuff, and recently I used to watch anime. Oh uh, yeah, Trigon. I used to be part of anime club in high school. Trigon, oh, nice. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> Yo, watch sit in there and watch anime. <laughs> I never met anybody who was into Trigon besides me. Yeah. <laughs> Trigon is so, good. I used to go to the video stores, and I would get the anime. Um, what was the guy? Akira. Uh, yeah, yeah, Akira, Akira and the guy that yeah. wrote those movies, The Wolf Brigade. Remember the high quality anime? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like my thing to do on like Friday nights. I would go. They, they just remade the Wolf Brigade as a live action. Yeah, it's, oh, just, it's just as messed up as the. <laughs> the yeah. but um, they uh, recently they've been they've always been a boxing anime, and but recently they've kind of stepped it up a little bit more. Where it's a little bit more futuristic, kind of. Mm-hmm. Where there's one called Megalobox, and I think there's one on um. Netflix called Livius, mm. um, but these like people who are somewhat augmented, where uh, it's boxing, but like yeah, I think plugging in, right? But no, actually, not really. It's like uh, they have like exoskeletons around their mm. arms. It's like gotcha. Gundam boxing. Yeah, yeah but yeah. like down to the person. Yeah. Uh, except Livius is a little bit more like they're replacing their arms, right. which is wild. But uh, Megalobox is more like, oh, I'm just gonna augment my strength with you know that sort of thing. Do you think, um, which is that one I feel is a bit more realistic, whereas we've seen exoskeleton from the military and stuff like that to help them augment their strength to carry right. loads and stuff like that. Do you think that boxing would ever get to that type of uh, future? Like, I mean, you, you know, never know. Humans are they're doing yeah. all kind of jacked up stuff. Yeah, you, know, now, <laughs> you never know. I wouldn't yeah. put it past us, you know. Yeah, like we and if they if they were to even get today, what, what do you think? What do you think the landscape would look like with that sort of thing? Because then now it's like it's equipment. I mean, it's already <laughs> kind of started though. I mean, Everlast just ran a thing on uh, their IG mm. of a boxer who was amputated. You know? Oh wow! Um, okay. So he's got the the these. At the end of the day, there's certain things that like just like we think black people and people of color deserve nice things right. just because people are born or have deficiencies or mm-hmm. stuff they're still going to want to participate right. in stuff and yeah. they want to have stuff for them so it might look something along those lines of like mm-hmm. you know athletes that have gone through some kind of traumatic injury or something are able to you know compete and do sports thanks to the exoskeleton and stuff or something oh okay that is me who's never thought about this stuff this mm-hmm. is just my you know uh, that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah we i remember uh 
was one day our guest no showed us and me and Lance were talking for a while about um uh who's the uh the sprinter that got uh oh, the female a, sprinter oh, yeah yeah Caster yeah. 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 yeah and that was one thing we were talking about it's just like she was born a particular way should she be able to compete uh you know and would would that fly in in combat sports because it's different when you're running because you're you're not hurting anyone mm-hmm. but when you have the ability to to inflict life-altering damage on right. someone's body uh what are what are the ramifications yeah. what are the implications of that so mm. yeah i just saw something on that too it was more talking about the transgender athletes and stuff mm-hmm. and i think it was one of the recommendations they were saying is that like look let them compete but maybe they have their own lane own yeah. lane yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. that way that it's it's equal instead of like because right now I, just, I think some people feel like it's not it's dangerous, you know. It's not like it's not fair, you know. I mean, they have bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. That's that's starting to become a thing now. Are, are you watching like, <laughs> a little bit? The professional bare knuckle boxing is really it's just bare knuckle boxing for legacy purposes, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. they're not they're they're not really looking to hold it. Yeah, but there still are bare knuckle leagues in like Europe and everything where yeah. they go out. But like, now, nah, I mean, you gotta understand, people are all over the world are searching for meaning in their lives. It's quite true. frank, right? Like. Everybody's got bills and heartache and everything like that, but at the end of the day, recreation, whether it's bare knuckle boxing or something, it gives people a sense of purpose. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, man, I could be working at McDonald's, but I'm the bare knuckle boxing champ. You know, like they <laughs> true, they really true. they really love that stuff, and so yeah. you know, people are always gonna try to find meaning through activities, and I think boxing is just the way we choose to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you watch uh, boxing now, like pro boxing or anything? Um, I watch the highlights on DAZN for about. Yeah. Three minutes, four minutes the next day after a big fight. I mean, I still watch. If there's a fight worth watching, I will do my best to see it, but it ain't the end of the world. But I definitely take more precedence over, like, my kids competing, mm-hmm. right? Like, I try as hard as I can to not miss those, you know, of and course, they're to yeah. support. But for the pro boxing stuff, it's, like, not as much, honestly. So you didn't watch the fight last night? Uh, no, I saw the highlight. I mean, it's yeah. crazy because they posted the highlights. DAZN posted the highlights, like, an hour after it was done. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the uh, for those of you listening. This is a Ruiz and uh, Joshua rematch. Yeah, yeah, zone. Sorry, I keep calling it Dazn. It's yeah, zone. I, I did it for a long time too. Um, and I don't know how anyone thought that Dazn should be pronounced zone. Yeah, so I think you kind of think about it right. Like a lot of pro boxing has to sell the story, right? They sell mm-hmm. like what's going on in the fighter's personal life and all that kind of stuff. Selling to, drama. Selling the drama to create that sense of empathy and that attachment to the athlete, mm-hmm. so that you want to tune in. And see them. You get what I'm saying? But now it's like I got so many of my own fighters, my kids, that I get to, again, I don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to shoot a 24-7 documentary, yeah. you know, to show why this, this competition is important to this kid. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's one of my kids, so, like, I know it's important to him. Yeah. I know how hard he trains in the gym, and so I want to go out and support him. I can't necessarily feel the same way about a lot of the pro boxing I see. It's just because you don't have that personal connection. Yeah, no. That's crazy. Do, do you watch any amateur boxing, even? Like, you watch, I, like... Golden Gloves, Olympics. Um, I watch if I'm if it's a kid I'm supporting, yeah. right? Then I watch it, mm. right? Shakur is like from Newark, right? So he's a big name there. So I'll try to tune in to see some of his stuff, um, but not really, man. Honestly, for me, like I'm a gym guy, right? Like I like the gym stuff. I like mm. the gym sparring. You know what I'm saying? I watch gym sparring. Like that's my thing. Yeah. Um, but like the pro and entertainment stuff, like that's cool for me. But it's like. The core of what I like about boxing is the training piece. Yeah. The feeling you get from training and performing. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, 80, it's probably like 90% gym stuff for me is what I like. And then like the other 10% when it makes sense. Yeah. So you're probably somebody that likes like the club shows more than like the bigger, like. Not even the club yeah. shows, man. I'm talking really? about just like traveling to go spar. Oh, you know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like the stuff before the club show. Like, See, that's I, the stuff I like. I like the club shows because it's like a hang. It's yeah. like like I don't want to go to the the uh, the garden shows like like the the Hulu theater and right. all that stuff where it's like a big like like song and dance. I want to go where it's like all the coaches are just hanging out, dapping each other up, talking about whatever you know. And 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 there's fights. Yeah, no, no. Amateur shows, like I said, amateur shows are good. But for me, again, it's like even when I look up on myself as like a fighter, dude. It was the it was the gym. It was you know what I'm saying. It's the the, the <laughs> Just the being in the gym culture. It's the gym culture, you know. Yeah. I like watching my guys spar, you know, especially when it's good competitive sparring. That's what I get hype about. Well, I can break in, you know, can teach and stop it. Like that's that's what I like more. Yeah, 
dope, man. Uh, I'm, we have extra time, but I mean, I think we've said everything that we need to say. Uh, I would hate to uh, to drag it on without nothing to say. Uh, so uh, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they could find out more about Ironbound Boxing, uh, where they could donate if they're interested in that, or where they could follow you on on social media. Yeah, if there's anybody out there that understands the benefits of boxing and what it means to low-income communities, you know how hard it is for these kids to train, right? Like, a lot of them don't have the funds to uh, pay for a, a monthly gym membership, you know, their parents are living in the projects or, you know, their parents are they're, they're not the only sibling. You get what I'm saying? And so it's like it's just not a priority. So what we are able to do is we're able to give kids in low income communities access to free boxing training. You know, they don't have to pay anything. All they got to do is show up. We take care of anything else. That story resonates with you. You know, I encourage you to visit our website, ironboundboxing.org and donate. A five, ten, twenty dollar monthly recurring donation allows us to uh, train kids completely for free and outfit them with the gear that they need. Um, and then you can also go always support us by purchasing our apparel, ironboundacademy.com. Follow us on Instagram at iron ironboundboxing and can follow my personal page at iron mike stedman. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Thank you for coming out on a Sunday all the way from Jersey on a cold-ass day. Yeah, and now we're going to go talk about your gym, right? We're about to go do some <laughs> some strategy stuff. I hope so, man. I hope that you're not the only gym in the area, uh, you and cops and kids, man. No. But, uh, hopefully we'll get something uptown very, very soon, but that's a... Uh, that's in the works. That's right, in the works. Right. We've been dropping hints about that in like every episode. Yeah, so. let's, let's get it done, man. Yeah. Be happy to support you when you get off the ground. Yeah, thank you again for coming out. Thank you, Lance, for producing. And thank you, everyone out there listening. This has been another episode of Super Upper Punch. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Peace. This has been a Gifted Sounds podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. For more podcasts, please visit giftedsounds.com. Thank you.